0: Number 13, Virginia Tech lost its second straight game to James Madison. Alright, howdy folks, Ryan chevy aka Ryan Rutherford here with Coolball Sports, aka Adam Coolball, his second appearance on the Gertie Sports Podcast under the pretty good sports umbrella. Welcome, Adam. How does it feel to be here today?
1: Oh, man, it feels great to be back. Thank you for having me back on Gritty Sports Talk. I'm glad uh, that you guys invited me back. I, I, uh, I guess that means that I didn't screw up too much. So, uh, I mean, you are glorious. All I had to do was compliment the Washington Capitals for, like, a an straight, <laughs> and then I get invited back. It's infiltrate, infiltrate.
0: <laughs> exactly. So Adam did not get to hear the uh, intro song that you guys just heard, but it is fire. And I know that that's
1: Adam's
0: favorite part of the show. So I know we are definitely going to get at least one listen immediately, and it will be from our own guests because the intro track is that good. It's a, like, dubstep remix of the Jamie fight song that I found on YouTube. And it is not very good, but the middle part of it has, like, a, a, like, commentary from when we beat tech 2116. (laughs) And it's just like in the middle of the song. And I was like, okay, now it's awesome. (laughs) That's great. But yeah. uh, And of course that was our, one of our biggest wins. And I can't uh, go on a podcast on this day without mentioning one of the other biggest wins in JMU history. Uh, JMU over app state was, I believe 10 years ago today. Uh, I was at the game. My sister was a student at the time. And uh, that was definitely one of my uh, falling in love moments with JMU football. JMU coming back from a 21 nothing halftime deficit, I believe. And uh, the first play of the second half was a kickoff return for touchdown for JMU. And then the rest is history. It was awesome. And uh, that happened 10 years ago today, I believe. So, Adam, what moment do you think uh, was your, like, I'm all in on JMU football moment?
1: Um, So... Uh, getting asked by Kurt to do uh, color commentary was, uh, you know, was obviously a huge honor. Um, you know, JMU was, was a program that looked like it was in transition mode. Um, so going into my first year of color commentary, I, I, you know, I didn't really know what to expect. But just the first day in the broadcast booth on game day, you're like, you know what? I don't care if it's FCS, I don't care if it's CAA football, the product that JMU is putting out onto this football field, the energy from the crowd, the environment, it just, it, it, it absolutely blows you away, um, you know, so just being out there at the first game, not really knowing what to expect, uh, I, think it, I, I think it just blew me away, it was a little hard to do commentary on it, because all I wanted to do was sit up there and just and drink in the environment. So uh, that that made me realize, a like this is incredible, and B like your your work is cut out for you because you know you're, this, this is not uh, you know this is not Pee Wee backyard football. This is this is a serious um, you know team that's all in with a brand new coach that is about to have an amazing season. So you know I had to buckle my seatbelt in from game one, and and it was all over from then. Yeah,
0: that's that's interesting that you say that because uh, like. Seeing it from that perspective was what made you uh, realize that, that was that JMU football was legit and something that you wanted to to continue following for like the rest of your life, I would hope. And um, so, when that uh, that moment is interesting because it's kind of similar to mine because I feel like when I went to that App State game, that was the first moment that I saw JMU uh, show up on uh, the like national stage. I believe the game was on ESPN two. I would know it was a night game. I know they brought in the trucks of lights and, uh, as a kid, then I was just like amazed to see all this stuff. And I was like, Oh, Jamie football is actually pretty legit. I know. I always like, I I always told my friends it was legit, but I didn't know how much I truly believed it. And then of course beating tech and all that changed everything. And then now I'm like, yeah, of course we're legit. We're national champs, 2016 crazy that you, that that is the season that you were able to call, uh, I'm sure that those highlights and uh, calls that your voice and Kurt Dudley's voice will
1: live on for a really long time. That's an unforgettable season. Yeah, well, if if it's living on the way that it looks like it's living on right now, I'm not too pleased with it. Barstool JMU just posted a uh, a um, you know a punt return touchdown by Rashad Davis the other day, and it probably is the worst call that I've had all season for JMU sports. And of course one <laughs> player they decided to feature. It was like, um, uh uh, 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 yeah. So I definitely wasn't pleased with the, um, with the clip that they showed, but yeah, hopefully it lives on elsewhere. Hey, I enjoyed
0: whenever, uh, we would be winning by like a lot and I would go home early. Sorry. Uh, diehard fans that might've just heard that it would only happen a couple times, but it was, uh, one of the, like the 80 point games, and you were having a good time back then. It's it's pretty
1: easy to loosen up when uh, you're up by that margin. <laughs> I'll tell you what, you want to know what Kurt Dudley's brilliance is. It's it's not, you know, his his incredible, you know, breathtaking voice, which he does have. It's not his uh, you know, wordsmithing, which he certainly does. Where Kurt Dudley's genius comes in is he has had to call so many games that were like seventy-seven-three and sixty-eight yeah. ten. And so many blowouts where you run out of talking points by like the end of the second quarter because you've already mentioned every stat. JMU's already broken every school record in that game, and Kurt Dudley just continues to find statistics to pull out of nowhere. History from JMU—that's when Kurt Dudley's genius comes in because I have no idea how you talk about JMU football for that long in that big of a blowout. <laughs> yeah, Kurt is
0: really amazing. We both uh, worked with him. You. Did uh, a lot of the football, like the entire football season with him. Uh, I did uh, some basketball and baseball games with him. And it's just amazing to sit him, to sit and watch him just pull all these facts out of his brain. Like he'll just be sitting there and be like, oh, uh, that person's name is Roger Smith. His dad, Harry Smith, played second baseman for Towson in 1984. And uh, he hit two thirty three. It was a very average year, but he would still remember it anyway. And he could just pull those things out because it's not just Jamie, you
1: just ca in general. Kurt always had a, a knowledge, uh, and it, you know, it, and it, it the helps body. the broadcast, but it certainly does not help the color commentator because how are you? To reply no. <laughs> that? You're like, yep, you know he he <laughs> sure did. <Sorry. laughs>
0: My jaw's on the floor. I don't see where you picked that out. Because he's just like... You, I like will look at him, and he's not looking at notes or anything. He's just pulling this out. We'll have to get him on a podcast. That would be one that you uh, should be a part of, too, Adam. Uh, a podcast with Kurt Dully. That would be pretty interesting. I'm sure he would be interested. I know he's uh, listened to one of mine before whenever he was uh, considering me for Madison. All right, so we'll move on to the meat of it now. Uh, we're doing... This is a structure a lot of you might be familiar with from your school days. Uh, Me and Adam are are recently removed from college, and, uh, you know, we just want that fix. So we decided to go with the old KWL chart. We are going to apply it to our James Madison Dukes, and we're going to put them in the Ks as what we knew before the season. Our Ws are going to be what we still want to learn after three games, if you want to call it that. And then our learned is we're going to say what we learned so far through three games, which uh, you don't really know how much you can say after what we have seen, but we'll, we'll, we'll say what we think and maybe uh, give a few assumptions as well along the way. So we'll start with what we knew before the season. Me and Adam will just go back and forth. So one thing that I think we both knew before the season is that the running game would be strong. And I think that has proven correct. Would you agree, Adam? Yeah,
1: I, I certainly think that the running game is strong. Um, you know what? What? What I wrote down for the new regarding the the rushing attack is the three gear offense. You know that that is um, you know that that's kind of the secret weapon of uh, Coach Houston and how and that's what he used to you know take us to the national championship, give us a deep run. And what I was wondering going at, uh, and what we knew is that that was successful in the previous two seasons and coming into the season, he has shown no signs of going away from that. You know, he loves to run the ball to either control the game, um, which obviously opens up the play action, which you can play at a, a, uh, you know, an intermediate tempo. And then when you pick up to that, that top gear where it's just run, 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 and having depth at the running back position and having a quarterback that can run, it's overwhelming. So we knew that, uh, Coach Houston's secret weapon was that 3 gear offense, and he intends on using it this season. Yeah, and it, it's uh, the it's interesting offense because
0: a lot of times when a team is considered to be, like, rush-heavy, uh, you would consider them to be, like, a slow team or a team that's trying to, like, slow the game down and, and control the clock. And that's not really what James Madison is interested in. We're running the ball, but we're trying to score points as well. When uh, we played Robert Morris the other day uh, – we put up a lot of points, but uh, our time of possession, I believe, ended up being pretty uh, pretty even um, because we were just scoring so fast and in, in bunches. Uh, I'm trying to see that stat now. Yeah, so for possession time, it was 34 minutes to 25 minutes with Robert Morris actually leading in possession, which is a, a pretty uh, amazing stat. It just shows how explosive that offense is when we are still just running the ball. We're keeping it simple and uh and being that effective and we were effective running the ball against nc state as well um marcus marshall being the most effective of the backs and uh putting on a show we'll get to more on him later but yeah just the running game in general we knew that was going to be great uh adam what was another thing that you uh new heading into this uh, 2018 season? Uh,
1: youth and, and experience. Um, so in, in, in the previous years at JMU, it has really been the uh, veterans who lead the team and, and, and really paved the way uh, moving forward. And then last year, our youth players like, uh, you know, Ratke for instance, hitting, you know, the field goal of a lifetime. It, it was really more the veterans are paving the way and the young kids, um, you know, were, were being given the ability to make the plays this season it's a little bit opposite you know we're an extremely young team so our young team is going to have to pave the way and we're going to have to rely on the veterans to make those plays you know um jimmy moreland for instance picks jordan brown pick six uh, you know so it's, it's it's a young team and we know that going into it and missing rashad robinson which i'm sure we'll talk about uh later on in this podcast you know it's it yeah, uh, we, we know that this is not an experienced JMU team that we're used to seeing over the past two years in these deep runs. So it's it's curious to see how um you know how this youth is gonna play out.
0: Yeah, and uh moving on to our next point that uh you hit on a little bit earlier, talking about Mike Houston's scheme. But we knew that Mike Houston would be a great coach once again, twenty-eight and two coming into this season, and that is one thing that we did not have to worry about some jamie fans may be nervous about losing him, uh, every off season, but you know that if he is, uh, there under the headset week one, that your team is going to be in a really good position to win week in, week out. Completely agree. Yeah. So, uh, what do you think makes Mike Houston such a special coach at this level?
1: Um, well, he is special. The, um, the seniors are coming into uh, coming into Houston's first season, uh, some of them had seen three different coaches you know um, so his magic was really done in that first year of getting the players to buy in you know hey, what is it about Mike Houston um, that is different from the other? Two coaches that we've seen in our time here. What is it about this guy that's going to be different? And he came in, and it was all business. You know, um, it, it was his mentality, it was his scheme, it was his commitment to the run, it was his uh, ability to put to get to put that pressure on the seniors. You know, hey guys, you know, I, I understand that you guys have had some tough breaks um you know Brandon Ravenel with the uh, with the drop that ended the season uh, you know the year before you know he came in and said you know I understand you guys have had a rough go but I'm I'm trusting you guys and you need to trust me and establishing that trusting relationship um, between the seniors getting them to buy in first was his biggest success there and moving forward the next uh, and, and look what he did in the first year so the these players moving forward I don't think at Any point now moving forward, will he ever have to work for the respect of the team? I think now, after that first season and what he did there, um, you know, he's already got the trust. He's already got the trust of the locker room and it's there until, um, you know, until something drastic happens. So, um, you know, that's where his magic was made was was the ability to create a functional relationship, especially with the veterans. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. And I, I feel like he, gained respect by giving a lot of respect back. And he worked very hard to get Gage steel And uh, there was one other player uh, who had quit the team and he was able to convince him to, to come back and to to humble himself as a coach and go. and And I'm not saying he begged these guys, but I'm sure he really flattered them and made them know that they would be a a respected and useful part of the team and be treated uh, appropriately, not as they were uh, under a previous regime. And uh, I think that that is what gained the respect of of those leaders. Like Gage Steele was a leader on that team, and being able to sway him back and uh, get him back on the field, that was probably a, a snowball effect for the rest of the team as well, because if he can convince a guy like Gage, who's obviously very passionate to to get back on the team, then he must have something going on.
1: And, you know, Gage, by the end of his career, was lifting the national championship trophy in Frisco, Texas. I mean, he just... You have to think at how hard it is to win a football game on the field, uh, and and that's not even considering all the off the field uh, stuff that goes on. I mean, it, it's no secret that JMU has had disciplinary issues, and um, you know, a culture of football that might not have been that elite level, that national championship level, that that you know potentially FBS seeking level. You know, and and. Um, you know, Coach Houston's commitment to to the city, his commitment to the school. I mean, he's he's here for a decade, so uh, you know that, that trust level it's it's huge. It's absolutely huge. His off the field stuff is just as big as his on the field stuff.
0: Yeah, and you bring up the discipline issue, and that uh, also kind of leads us into one of another another topic that I wanted to bring in. Going into this, uh, we knew that Jimmy Moreland and Richard Robinson would be really good, and half of that ended up being correct. Jimmy Moreland has uh has played as expected, has moved into first place on the interception list for JMU. He was a guy that was given a second chance by uh the Mike Houston regime, and uh you know that he does not regret
1: that decision at all. Yeah, I certainly don't think so. When you play like that, um and and you know, I've um you know, Jimmy Jimmy is a guy that I, I was able to speak to in a locker room once. Um, you know, after the Sam Houston state game, uh, sorry, did I say game? I meant, I meant blowout, uh, obliteration. Sorry. I will I'll expand my vocabulary next time. Uh, I got to speak to him in the locker room and it's just like, you you would never guess. You'd absolutely never guess. The guy is, is, is committed and is hardworking and is as humble as can be. So, you know, um, that relationship with, with coach Houston is, you know, he's not only is he here, but he's here to play and he's, he's here to win.
0: Yeah, and uh, probably the last thing that I think we uh, – or I would like to hit, I don't know what, if you have any more that you would like to hit about uh, what we knew before the season, is that I think we all knew that the NC State game would be a measuring stick on what to expect in terms of long-term success for this team. Um, I've, I've said to people before that I really wish that the NC State game would have been uh, like week three or something, where we could have had a couple games under our belt maybe a quarterback that wasn't starting his first game and uh, some other uh, players on defense that were starting their first games. There was quite a few players starting their first games that uh, NC state game. So it would have been nice to maybe get some of those yips out of the way if there were any. And, uh, but I think that game was definitely uh, the measuring stick that we expected it to be a really hard fought game. And uh, the battle in the trenches was especially interesting to me, Adam, the offensive and defensive line play for the Dukes has been really, really good. The
1: first three games, uh, what, what have you seen up front for uh, well, what I've seen is a lot of changes, uh, you know, a lot of new faces, obviously with a big and, guy like Stinny gone, um, and an offense that is built entirely around that run game, um, especially with the mobile quarterback, um, you know, that is the, that is the first piece that you have to get right is getting that blocking down. Um, and that is something that the three year offense really helps with is by, by Um, establishing a a play calling system and an offensive uh, scheme that moves the tempo around. It gives you a little bit more freedom with your play calling. It gives you a little bit more deception and it helps take that learning curve away from the young players that are starting on the offensive line. You know, if you can confuse the defense, it makes it it really makes uh, the offensive lines job a lot easier. And I think that it um, sticking to that scheme has really added to the success of JMU through the first three games. You know, it, it takes away this, the nerves. And, um, you know, <laughs> NC State's defensive line is certainly pretty terrifying. And, and their ability to uh, to handle them pretty well the first game is – I think that learning curve is, is already over. With, you know? so.
0: Yep. I would agree. And uh, and going back to that game and looking at it as a measuring stick for an, another – Category. If you look at it, how our defensive uh, backs played against the best passing offense they will play all year, bar none, an NFL prospect, a future NFL starter, I would say, in uh, Ryan Finley. And uh, they they handled him pretty well. The news about uh, Robinson being out came out uh, shortly before the game, and you could tell that that was the focus of the NC State attack going after that part of the defense. So, uh, that was, a especially noticeable, uh, early on. How do you think, Jame, you will adjust, uh, to that side of the uh, ball? To be completely
1: Adam? honest with you. Um, I, I don't think there's much, much adjustment needed. If you go back to the NC state highlights, um, notably CJ Riley's touchdown catch right before halftime. Um, uh, you know mm-hmm. that was to me the game, the play by NC State that that won them the game. Uh, you know, you get that touchdown right before halftime, and then you get the ball back to start the second half. If you watch that play that CJ Riley made, I he was covered. He was covered, and he was. And, and not only was he covered, but the defender was super glued onto him. That was an insane catch. I mean, that was an NFL, you know, Sports Center top ten play worthy catch. And, you know, that is a a touchdown like that right before halftime in a stadium that was pretty silent for how big the crowd was. You know, JMU did a great job of sucking the life out of him. But that C.J. Riley catch just ignited a team with some incredible uh, caliber talent. And, you know, that really brought him back into the game. So defensively, you know, even without Robinson, I I thought – that the, I I thought that the players were there, they made plays. Um, uh, We'll talk a little bit more about third down defense. Um, You know, once we get to the learned category, um, you know, that certainly needs some improvement, but I I think this is a team that can do it. I think the personnel here can do it.
0: Yeah, I would agree. And
1: is there anything else you want to hit in the K category? Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, earlier in what we knew, um, you know, we, we talked a little about, a little bit about the energy and um, all of the off the field stuff that goes into winning a national championship. Um, A lot of that, you know, comes down to crowd. And one thing that I, one thing that I want to know is is can, can this team travel, you know, can we go on the road? Um, We, the CAA has some tough, tough, tough crowds that we have to play at. Um, Just in two weeks, we have to go to Richmond and two weeks after that, we're at Villanova. And then we have to go to New Hampshire. Those are three tough road games, and that's just in CAA play, uh, not to mention getting going on a deep playoff run where we possibly and most likely will have to go to North Dakota state um, you know, it, it, a young team uh, you know that has this many big and and decisive road games ahead. Is this a team that can, that can go into another stadium and quiet a crowd and make plays? And that is an energy and and a leadership thing that I I don't think that has anything to do with the skill that we're putting on the field. So that's, that's really what I want to know is how are we going to do in these tough road games this season? Because I mean, i We've watched some close games with Villanova and New Hampshire and Rhode Island um, over the past few years, Stony Brook. You know, these these games where we gotta travel north. You know, they're tough and and you have to have that energy and leadership to play. So I wanna know how this team's gonna do on the road. It did okay against NC State, I'd think.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you said you wanted to know how we would do going up north. Because uh they're not gonna find out what it's like on the road when we go to Richmond in a few weeks. Uh that is just Richmond <laughs> uh, uh, three uh,
1: oh.
0: Yeah. gosh. Man. Yeah, so, yeah, that's just uh that's gonna be another home game for us. I know I'll be there. Uh ticket prices are high for that. I was lucky enough to get some uh in the Duke Club allotment for through a friend. So uh that but they were they were slim pickings. This year, and uh, the StubHub prices are already really high. Uh, one of my friends is looking at going, and he's looking at a single ticket, and he might get lucky. But, yeah, if you're looking at getting tickets for Jamie Richmond, you're going to be paying a pretty penny for what a lot of people think is still Division Two football. I've never seen a D2 football ticket go for over 100 bucks. Have you? Uh,
1: I certainly haven't, and I think this is a great opportunity to plug the uh, Gritty Sports Talk is in the market for sponsors. That's um, and- deal includes sending all of the members including their guests down to Richmond. Sponsors uh you know let's let's hear your best offer.
0: Yep we're we're very very easily bribed. All right we'll move on to the W section of our KWL now. We'll look at what we still want to learn after the three uh games so far and the first thing I want to see and this is because it's a player that's really intrigued me in the offseason, especially the announcement. It was such a shock to me. Jawan Hamilton coming to James Madison from national champion UCF. That was a, a big surprise to me. I don't know about you, Adam. I didn't, didn't think we were in the market for another yeah, running back so, before we got one.
1: Yeah, every time you think you've got JMU's scheme understood, there's, there's something new to surprise us. And especially when you've got guys like Cardin Johnson, you know, I, I thought that when Khalid, Khalid Abdullah left, I thought that that was opening the door for Cardin Johnson to establish himself as the elite back. And, um, you know, then you quickly have to realize that that's not JMU style. So, you know what, I wouldn't be surprised, um, you know, if, if JMU signed two more running backs by the end of the season, it's, um, you know, it's pretty interesting, but when you run that three year offense, I think it's more about um, not who's leading the team in, in rushes and rushing yards, but it's having so many threats that have fresh legs all game because none of them are getting that workhorse uh, you know, workload. And um, so, yeah, I, I'd say I was um, surprisingly unsurprised uh, when we made that signing. And um, I, I think it's just another piece that I think it's a perfect system for him to come into. Love the national champions uh, plug that you gave there, by the way.
0: Yeah, dude, they, well, they are. I think it got put in some like official no. NCAA book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if, uh, if you didn't know about Juwan Hamilton, he was the UCF leading rusher before his injury a, a few games into their national championship season. And since arriving at JMU, he has only carried the ball a handful of times. He had one touch uh, against NC State, or one carry, I should say, against NC State. Uh, I believe he was back there for a few punt returns that didn't get uh, that he fair caught. And then uh, he had three carries for 11 yards and a touchdown. And he also had a reception against Robert Morris. And he also had uh, a 44 yard kick return that I'm sure stands out to a lot of people, probably his most memorable play of the season. Um, And so maybe we'll see him more as a return specialist, I would say this season, but looking forward, definitely a guy, I think that has a bright future. Uh, Those uh, three running backs, all re- graduating after this season, if uh, my memory is correct. Yeah. Yes, yes, that is right, All right. I
1: was double checking, had to do some math, takes me a little,
0: but yeah. So, I think uh, Juwan Hamilton's usage will be a lot heavier next year. Yeah, lays, lays
1: the groundwork to continue, um, you know, to continue the same uh, you know, three-year offense that Houston likes to run, just uh it's cool to see a coach um, especially at the CAA level who's uh, paving the way for next year while he's, <laughs> while he's working with a young team already trying to win a national championship. It's it's more to the brilliance of him. What,
0: what, what are you still looking to learn
1: from, uh, from uh, well, James what, so far? Uh, what I've learned, it was uh, mostly to do with both my points were third down, third down offense and third down defense. Um, so, Given the the running mentality of JMU, what I learned is that Danucci, while while being great on his feet, he can stand in the pocket and he can pass. I would I would like to pull the stat. You're my stat guy, so I might I might uh, you might already have this on file, but I want to know how many third and five yard pluses uh, that that we converted on against a great defense in NC State. I mean it. It, with a rushing attack and screen play and get the ball in your playmaker's hands quickly style offense that JMU has on third down and long, he was staying in the pocket and he was delivering strikes. Some of those were in the double coverage where receivers were making plays. Some of those were were scrambles where he rushed where there wasn't a defender in sight and he was walking for the first down. I mean, against teams like NC State, that's tough to do for any, any, te- uh, any NCAA football team in the country. Um, so I learned that JMU's third down offense is, uh, you know, we're already six to eight weeks deep into the season with the way that our third down offense looks. Um, so that was the first thing I had on on what I've learned.
0: Yeah. Um, so yeah, Danucci's just been truly amazing. We haven't really got to talk too much about him yet, but, um, yeah, I was
1: more hitting the one-to-learn oh, okay. Gotcha. Right Sorry, um, I, I I never did too well in school. So on these, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, well, <laughs> want to learn is I want to learn if we can shut play, uh, make plays on third down. You know, with a uh, you know with a defensive line and a great a uh, great secondary. You know, JMU's defense is. Um, yeah, well missing pieces that that's where most of our veterans are are is on the defensive front um but i was a little nervous on third down um against nc state there were there was quite a few plays on the opposite side of the ball uh where nc state was converting on third down um you know making plays where they're deep into their own territory on the 5 yard line I, uh, there was a strike i think that was cj riley again he made a sideline catch he was uh he was covered well um, I want to see if JMU can take that next step and see if we can um, make some plays on third down because I think if JMU converts on two or three more third downs uh, defensively against NC State, we would have won that ball game. So third down was really the killer. I want to see if JMU can make some improvements on third down. Yeah,
0: I agree. The uh, yeah, I think we'll see some improvement immediately with the uh, return of our second Carter this week. Uh, on the defensive front, adding another uh rotation in there um that's something that I want to see more of as well now that we have our full defensive uh uh what should i say battery together up front um uh, with John daca and uh green and uh paris black, all the guys that we are that are new um and the, all the guys that are getting big playing time. Uh, compared to previous parts of their season. I want to see how they rotate because I think they will get better as the season uh, goes on and they're already doing pretty well. That's a, a defensive front that I think will be pretty scary. Uh, John Dock is definitely my guy to watch. Everybody saw him burst onto the scene in the spring game this year. And uh, wow, he's, he's a guy with yeah, a lot of time. I completely agree.
1: AMU, that, you know, with, you know, with all the talent that has graduated and all the talent that we still have, I think that there is a big playmaker, um, you know, that, that is yet to be, um, that is yet to have emerged yet. And I'm really, really excited to see who takes that next step, Um, you know, on offensively. I think there are guys that, that, you know, makes us uh, pretty excited. Guys like Riley Stapleton. I mean, the guy's got, what, 17 catches through three games and, you know, what, a buck 50 on that? I mean, he, you know, he's been in an offense where, you know, obviously it's run heavy, but then, you know, a couple years ago, guys like Damo Taylor and Rashard Davis, Brandon Ravenel, you know, they, We've always had receivers, you know. Now, now receivers are, um, you know, are where a lot of our youth comes, and it gives guys guys like Riley Stapleton the ability to make plays. And through three games, it looks like he is uh, he's committed. So excited for uh, who those next playmakers are going to be.
0: Yeah, the last thing I have under the W section is a player whose first name starts with W. Wayne Davis. I want to see how hard Wayne Davis can hit his highlight tape when he was a high school player. I I haven't watched it myself, but I've heard that it contains about 25 minutes of head hitting action where helmets are flying off the flying off everybody. They're just flying across the screen. Like you might get a concussion watching the play. So I I want to see what Wayne Davis is about uh with this college football landscape um Cause I think he is a player that still has uh the hard hitting ability. I think he'll just have to aim a little lower, but I can't wait to see his first hit in Bridgeforth Stadium and hear that well, reaction. Speaking from of the hard crowd. hitting
1: and going low, um, I'm gonna go ahead and say hitting low, maybe hitting down under, because our punter, Harry O'Kelly, might be the hardest hitting player on JMU this season. Did you see that hit on the punt return against NC State? Oh my god. Harry O'Kelly, yeah. Aussie style, he is gonna do just fine at JMU. I hope we have some trick plays. Uh, I hope Houston is is I hope he's drooling over the opportunities of plays that he can do with Harry O'Kelly. Because that guy can hit. So wow. mm-hmm. Yeah, he is
0: a really exciting player. Uh just a sophomore as well. Um I don't think there's ever been this much hype and just pure joy around the punter before Harry O'Kelly in mean, my
1: is, entire life. Uh, I, I think JMU's special teams over the past three seasons have been, like, Christian McCaffrey electric. And I'm not even talking about returning. I'm talking about Ratke and Hunter and Harry O'Kelly. and guys Kaiser. They make watching special teams, like, from a defensive side, fun again. And that is... That's something. Well, I don't even know if it was ever fun, but if it was, then it's back. Defensive special teams is back, and I'd draft them in fantasy NCAA if there was one.
0: <laughs> All right. Anything else you want to hit in the W before No, but I do want you to know learned? that I
1: wrote down that I was going to talk about Harry O'Kelly. So that was. Um, I'm, very I'm really glad that you gave me the did. opportunity I'm really to glad say that. Me. So thank you. <laughs>
0: The first thing I have learned from this season, and you can basically see everything you need to in one play when he had his 80 yard run against Robert Morris is that Marcus Marshall is a beast. He's just a straight up beast. Uh, He was the leading rusher at Georgia tech coming in here. And uh, the first few games of last season, it was the Cardon Johnson show. And I was kind of surprised. I was like, this Marcus Marshall guy is supposed to be pretty good too. I want to see more from him. And now we're seeing a lot from him, and he is balling. Uh, Against NC State, he was by far the most uh, successful back that we had. Um, He was the only one uh, over five yards rushing, besides Ben Danushi per carry. He had 12 attempts for 67 yards, uh, did not find the end zone, but also had a 26-yard long against NC State. And that that means a lot to me, considering how much uh, I think we all respect uh, NC State's defense. So, uh, and then his uh, six rushes for ninety five yards against uh, Robert Morris before taking the evening off and uh, letting guys like uh, Eric Curlew, who isn't even on a scholarship, get a touchdown. So uh, obviously a team player as well. Um, just much, yeah, much.
1: I completely agree. Um, and I think the same can be said for Ben DiNucci. So he, that, you know, that was a player that, that I didn't really know what his legs could do coming into this season and, um, just adding another mobile quarterback into that system. I mean, it really opens your playbook so much. So the, the, the rush attack and just JMU's ability to make plays, uh, you know, behind the line of scrimmage, I, you know, that, that's been a huge part of their offense for the past few years and it's, and it's exciting. So, um, Yeah, Danucci is is fitting in pretty nicely with that.
0: Yeah, I had that under my learn category. I had Danucci equals the guy. A lot of people going into the season were were really on the Cole Johnson train. I was with Danucci from uh, what I saw in the spring game. I loved what he had in the playmaking category. You could just see his quickness out there. And against NC State, it really showed as well. Uh, he was running by some of their defensive backs and, and getting the corner able to get out of bounds or able to get a few more yards. And it was it was just really impressive. I did not know he had that kind of speed. And I uh, was looking at the CAA stats before we got on here, and he's currently fourth in the CAA in rushing with 185 yards and 7.4 yards per carry with three touchdowns. So uh, Danucci, definitely the guy. Also, um, his efficiency, not just the stat efficiency, which he's third in, but just the whole broad stretch of the word. He just doesn't seem to have many wasted movements when he's going somewhere. He looks like he has a plan. Um, if he's keeping his eyes downfield, he's trying to uh, create space for himself or he can stay in the pocket. And, uh, once he decides that he wants to go upfield, field, he will do it. He will do it one way or the other. Uh, his one run, uh, was maybe just as impressive as Marcus Marshall's 80-yard run where uh, he, we were about at the 20-something, I think it was like a 27-yard run against Robert Morris, where he just made them look, look silly. He looked like Michael Vick in Madden. It was ridiculous how many defenders he evaded on that play. And one of them, it looked like he kind of tripped and still yeah. juke the guy. Yeah, it's out. incredible. It was and,
1: you know, um, efficient, I, I think, is the right word to use for a guy like Danucci. I mean, 76% completion percent, uh, rate uh, through three games is huge. I mean, 30 attempt, uh, 38 completions, 50 attempts, zero interceptions, four touchdowns. I mean, come on. You, you couldn't have guessed that our star quarterback uh, had graduated this past year. I mean, that is the... Perfect way to to start a season, and um I and I'm pretty sure he didn't throw an incompletion through two quarters against NC State. I could be wrong about that, um but I just remember watching the guy and I was like, is this guy ever going to throw an incompletion? Um so the the accuracy is huge, especially if you don't have big threats like uh, like Adamo Taylor anymore. You know you're going to need an accurate passer, and uh, with a guy like Danucci, um you know what, what I've learned is his play action ability. I mean sheesh, the run attack that we have. Uh, plus the speed offensively and the fact that he can run, it buys him five or six seconds in the pocket, especially with an inexperienced O-line like like we were talking about earlier. Um, you know That style of offense and the game plan um, makes the job a lot easier for the offensive line. And you saw times against NC State where Danucci had four or five seconds and he was standing in the pocket. He was commanding the pocket. He's a little bit taller uh, than Brian Shore, I think. I'll have to look at that as well. And he was delivering strikes. So that efficiency, um, I think a lot is coming to play action, and it's really helping him, you know, get used to this JMU offense. So it's just, I, I'm impressed. I'm really impressed. I was nervous when he went down against NC State, but you know, I, I love my boy Cole at backup there. So, yeah, that's
0: a, a really nice security blanket. Um, I'm sure Cole Johnson and Ben Denucci will have an open competition for the starting job next season uh, Mike Houston will always just put the best guy on the field. Um, uh, my next thing that I've learned is that, uh, I don't know about you, but I was pretty worried about our receiving core going into the year. Cause it's Riley Stapleton. And then who else did we know going into that? And I learned that I was really, really dumb to think that because those guys that we brought in, uh, Kendall Dean, Josh Sims, uh, I think EJ Morgan can, can be a guy that uh, we can rely on as well. He was a, a JUCO stud. So uh, I'm just really excited for this young receiving core, and we will have all of them back next year. Uh, Eldridge, I believe, is graduating, though. I think he is a senior. But other than that, uh, we will have all those other guys back. And uh, they are going to be making plays.
1: They are going to be stretching the field. Absolutely. They're going to be fun I mean, to watch. Riley Stapleton. Um you know, in the past, yeah, the last season, um, you know, obviously we knew we knew it was a threat and he was a force to be reckoned with. Uh, but last season is where we saw those glimpses of Riley Stapleton want ball and Riley Stapleton will score ball. And this season, with all of his competition—and you know, I say competition, but I mean that lightly—now uh, that he, he's got a, a little bit more targets opening up for him, I mean, sheesh. Go ahead, double cover him. Let's see. Uh, let's see how that works. We're going to throw him the ball, and he's going to score. I mean. The guy wants the ball, and I think that he will emerge as a leader on this offense, especially in a receiver position that's pretty thin right now.
0: Yeah, and uh, I, think, yeah, I think he will also be a guy that skyrockets up some NFL draft boards uh, over the coming years. He is just a junior exploding onto the scene in the playoffs last year, and uh, if he can keep putting up the numbers that he's put up so far – Um, and I think in, in these games where we'll be, uh, in some tighter contests, uh, and against some less effective defensive backs than what NC state have, we'll see Riley Stapleton put up some big numbers. Uh, yeah. If Jamie's offense is going to be forced to, to pass, uh, that is going to be the go-to guy for sure. And also, uh, his brother recently transferred to the team. Uh, I don't think we've seen too much of him, uh, Besides uh, some tight end, too, near the goal line, I think we saw him a few times against Robert Morris. But uh, so another Stapleton out there. Don't get confused. Number 10 the is the, the guy, guy. Combined with the guy bending uh,
1: Do you have a hot take alert by chance, uh, like some kind of button that you guys press when a hot take is coming? Because if so, I've got All right, yeah. So it, I can uh, I'm going to wait five seconds, and I'm going to count to five, and you can insert a hot take right now always be in that explosive fire. All right, sounds good. So my hot take <laughs> alert here is that Riley Stapleton this season is going to have two games with 10 plus receptions and one game with 15 plus receptions. I think that this is the season where Riley will get volume. And I think that Ben DiNucci, uh, again, with what I learned, that you know he can stand in the pocket and deliver strikes. I think Brian Shore is not as high as you'll see on the passing yards list because he didn't really have to pass the ball that much. And I think DiNucci is going to be much more of a pocket passer than Brian Shore had to be. Uh, not that Shore couldn't do it. Obviously he could. Um, but I didn't think he had to be as much. And I think Stapleton and him are going to develop that relationship. So two games with 10-plus receptions, one game with 15-plus receptions. That is my hot take alert for you guys. All right. I love it. Do you have any hot takes? I uh, know that's putting you on the spot. But, uh, uh, um, let me think. I I can probably I, get one. I'm here
0: gonna, we go. Ooh, okay. I got one. Uh, It's not okay. going to be for this season. It will be for next season. Mateo Jackson will lead the team in tackles
1: next year and be uh, All right. at least 17. Right. I LCA. love it. Dude, let's keep these hot takes coming. Man. Uh, Harry O'Kelly Harry O'Kelly <laughs> touches pay dirt this season. He touches the end zone.
0: That's great. I wonder that should be a line in Vegas, honestly. How many
1: rushing touchdowns for Harry O'Kelly? I I Dude, would be at one and a hammer half. Hammer that least. over like I've I would hammer that like <laughs> anything, any other over that I've ever taken in my life. Not saying I have, but I would.
0: Okay. A better question is, oh. what's Harry O'Kelly's arm look oh.
1: like? Is he going to be passing, passing question for, right touchdowns. there? He for a touchdown, man. <laughs> That'd be great. Oh, man. So, yeah, uh, this is a fun team. I, th- I think we're going to see some creative trickery going on. I wonder who it will be against because I hope Richmond, and I hope it's at Richmond. Rich- <laughs> I hope it's against Richmond
0: and I hope we're up a lot and it's really really just really- hey, do
1: you remember that Patriots um, like drop kick extra point that they did two years ago you think he could he's yes. an Australian style uh, punter I wonder if we could get him out there for some drop kick extra points yeah I know nothing about rugby um, I don't know but and he, the, I know that rugby style punting is like is very different yeah, I think he can. I think he can do it. We're talking about
0: him throwing I mean, what, touchdowns. I, I, right, right, let's go ahead and say
1: Harry O'Kelly's going to lead lead JMU in scoring this year. Let's just go ahead and say it. <laughs> uh, no, I love it. A lot of, a lot of room to uh, to do some trickery with this team. Right, anything else oh, you want to add I think that through three games where two of them were scrimmages, I, I think that I've – uh spoken everything that I've learned so far. I'm excited for us to destroy William and Mary coming up and uh, and, and I'm excited to see what we're gonna learn from that game.
0: Alright, so my last thing that I learned is a is a thing that I might be jumping the gun on, but I'm gonna say I learned it. We're gonna Thanks. win it all next year. I think this year we are are very talented and we're very young. A lot of guys, like I said, starting their first games uh, in their college career against NC State, and uh, I think they'll and North Dakota State returned everyone this year because it's like it's it's such a top heavy league with us two and then the rest, and uh, I think that this is their year to to add to their pile whatever they can they can have it but we will enjoy our championships just as much. And we will enjoy one next year in Frisco.
1: All right. I love it. We're I right love it. First. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that's a fair analysis. Hopefully North Dakota state can, uh, can get some of that talent out of there this year. Um, the one thing that I hate to say is, you know, the biggest fuel, um, for JMU has, has been a little bit of heartbreak, you know, um, with Ravenel's drop in the playoff loss, um, you know, going into his senior year, he, he's thinking, you know, that that was the last play of, uh, you know, could, you know, could be one of the final plays in, uh, in, in playoff history for him in his career at JMU. And then the next, that heartbreak was, was really kind of a, um, a motivator going into the next season. So I, I don't know if they're, if they're going to take it all. I, I think this team, especially young, will have to experience some painful moments, some painful losses and, and so I, I I think that this year, um, you know, knock on knock on wood that it doesn't happen. But you know, this year might have a uh, pretty depressing end of the season, which I think JMU fans should take uh, with a grain of salt going into next year.
0: Yeah, and uh, you also talked about at the very beginning there could be some interesting road matchups in conference as well. Uh, I think JMU can will definitely be a playoff team unless they drop quite a few games, but. I could see at least one uh, road CAA game not going our way. You never know. Uh, there's there's good teams out there, and you never know uh, who will peak at the right time. You don't know how knock on wood uh, the injury bug could bite. So
1: a lot of variables Absolutely. in a hit college a football season. The head there. Um, all the off-the-field all, all off the stuff, all the energy, all the momentum going into it. I mean, sheesh, I haven't been to campus in uh, – in a hot second, and we've already got you know steak and shakes and parking lots and you know all this stuff that you know they waited for us to graduate for. So um, I, I think the incoming student uh, student body is uh, you know the freshmen this year are coming into a brand new looking campus and a team that's won a national championship within the past two years. So you know that energy um, the, that energy energy should still be there. So I think in in these freshmen's four year uh you know, four-year career they you're gonna have some exciting football to watch and that's that is a joy to say as a as a fan and f- former commentator and uh and a hall of fame fan and and uh expert in you. Mm. All
0: right. Well thanks Adam. Um, do you have any uh closing thoughts?
1: Gritty Sports Talk is my favorite podcast that I listen to right now because I've been out of the game for a little bit, and I appreciate you guys having me on. Um, Please let me know if you guys ever need someone to attempt to talk sports with you guys, because I I love being here. Thanks for having me, guys.
0: Yeah, it was awesome to have you. We'll have to have you down in the studio with the whole squad. Uh, Josh and John are too busy for us today, but I'm sure they'll listen and get their Jamie knowledge uh, if you liked it, give us five stars on iTunes. We're also, uh, if you're not an iPod person or an Apple person, we're on pretty good sports can stream it on there, but you probably already know that because you've been listening to it this long. So thank you for hanging out with us. We will definitely be back right. later. In Thanks the for having
1: me. And sorry for having a good one.